there's a daily narrative that I can believe or reject. There's darkness around me. There's darkness. I can see it inside. And I daily have to choose, will I live by that narrative or will I live by this larger narrative mm-hmm. that I believe is so present um, in scripture and, and, and through the beauty that I've encountered. So I think that's my experience. But no, I think, I think so many people struggle. And I think people struggle in secret, as I certainly did. everyone welcome back to another episode on see here love and this one this conversation is so good sarah clarkson um from across the ocean in england near a town called brighton uh is with me today she's an author and blogger who writes regularly about literature faith and beauty and sarah has struggled for decades with mental illness ocd depression, and panic attacks. So if you're struggling with those things today, then this conversation is for you. And she's recently written the book, uh, This Beautiful Truth, How God's Goodness Breaks into Our Darkness. Uh, Powerful, 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 because her conversation and her book paints this compelling picture of God who reaches out to us in a real and powerful way through, I love this, the taste and see goodness of what God has made, what he has made, and what he continues to create amid our darkness. And so this conversation really talks about finding beauty and God in the everyday. Uh, it talks, we talk about what it means <laughs> uh, and, and the challenges of when people say, oh, that's God's will. And she she talks a lot about these rival stories that we believe and in the world and and they can be either beautiful or broken despair hope evil or love and what story and narrative will you choose the good or or the evil and and how we'll live into that so i'm excited for this conversation uh sarah is wonderfully open and transparent and so i know you are going to be inspired and encouraged and learn a lot from this conversation with me and Sarah Clarkson. Well, Sarah Clarkson, I'm so thankful that you are with us from across, do I say across the world or you're not that far, right? From Canada? Uh, where are you coming in ocean. from? Across the ocean. <laughs> where are you um, coming in from here for our conversation? I am um, coming in from a little town on the south coast of England. So it's a blustery day. I'm not too far from Brighton, if you know where that is. So I've a, heard of yeah, Brighton. I've had friends town. who, yeah, who who have visited. Um, how are you today? I mean, we're looking at kind of processing this global pandemic. So many mm. world challenges. How are you doing today? <laughs> I, <laughs> Is that a big I, question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging in there. It's uh, I'm doing well. I'm I'm thankful for many little things. My it's been a crazy month. My um, my husband had appendicitis several weeks ago, and we just welcomed our third baby, and he can't pick up any children. So oh. we're having a bit of a rollicking time over here. <laughs> but there has been a lot of grace, and um, it is lovely weather. So we pretty much just spend time outside with the kids in the garden, and um, yes, we have we're we're making it. Okay, that's good. And I think that, you know, for a lot of us, we're kind of in that space now, Sarah, where we're, 
I think even for me personally, just sort of reflecting on the year and what mm. has happened and how yeah. I'm doing. But what would you say from the past year, two years through what we've experienced, what would you say is sort of a takeaway from the experience of the pandemic mm. and, and what you personally have experienced, but what you've also seen around uh, around the world? Um, I think several things and probably kind of different, different themes. I think one would be the importance of the small daily acts of faithfulness and keeping us sane and, mm. and connecting us to, I think the reality of God. I say that we lived, um, especially during the lockdowns here in the first months here, here in England, that we lived a very Hobbit like life. We were, you know, all, all of the borders closed yeah. in on us in a sense, both literally and kind of figuratively. Yeah. And, and suddenly I think I realized very quickly, you know, we're all in the house, you know, husband's trying to work from home. I'm trying to work from home. We have two young children. Now we have three. Um, and you know, suddenly the rhythms of the everyday, the way we crafted it, the way we chose to celebrate together, spending time in the garden, planting things, making mm. bread. And I, I think that's fascinating seeing the bread baking that, that happened during the pandemic, yeah. but the importance of small faithful acts to connect us to a larger sense of meaning that, you know, mm. there's a continuing goodness in the world that we will continue to plant and produce and walk forward. That was very rooting and grounding for me um, amidst yeah. it. But I think the other thing is, it's just, um, I think something I've observed that I think I think in many ways was present beforehand, but I wonder if it hasn't been magnified by the pandemic. Um, it's just that there's a lot of loneliness in the world, and that it is there's a heart cry for connection mm-hmm. and for not just presence, but presence and a depth of being seen. And you know, in a place where you know my husband is a um, he's a priest in the Church of England, and he um, he has just seen people so lonely and devastated by not being able to see anyone, not to be touched, Mm -hmm. not to, yeah, I think there's just the importance of seeing other people, of touching, of loving, of, of communicating in, you know, immediate ways. I think I'm just ever more, um, committed to those, you know, cultivating these relationships that we've kind of been on hold in some ways. Mm -hmm. So I think there's those two things off the top of my head, I would say. Well, those are pretty good things here off the top of your head. <laughs> you know, I, I think I love that because, you know, our show is called See, Here Love. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, after the end of every show, I say, I want you to know and remember that you are seen, heard, mm-hmm. and deeply loved by God. And I've said this before, but I mean, just to, to you know, let you know, it's after 25 years of speaking. So I've been speaking for 25 years in Canada and around the world and small groups, large groups, conferences, and then small, you know, United Church Women's Group of 10, you know, like it's very vast. And I've said this too before, like why the show is called See Her Love is because after every time that I spoke, those three things came up over and over from Mm -hmm. women and men that I don't feel seen, I'm not heard, and I don't feel loved. You know, I don't mm-hmm. feel seen, you know, within my own family. Does God see me? Colleagues don't see me. <clears throat> I'm not heard. My voice doesn't matter. I'm never, you know, invited to the table, and then I'm not loved. I don't love myself, or I don't feel God loves me or others. And the seen part seems so much more magnified, I found, mm-hmm 
through this pandemic, like I've been reading blogs and different things and more and more it's this part about being seen. Like mm-hmm. people are longing to be seen. Yeah. And I think that you just said it, I think with the pandemic, because there's been so much loneliness and we haven't been seen, we've been kind of like locked down and locked away. We haven't had an opportunity to be seen or be, you know what I mean? Be with people. Yeah. It's powerful. So. so that I love that. I think that is so great. Now your new book, this beautiful truth, how God's goodness breaks into our, into our darkness. Uh, you are an incredible writer, like beautiful oh. writer. You know, as I've been reading through the book, just your words are so powerful. And I realize in this season now that words matter mm. more than ever. Storytelling is, is even more important for people. I, I found that people are just longing for story and encouragement. Uh, mm. And I love that. It's called This Beautiful Truth, How God's Goodness Breaks Into Our Darkness. And I want to start there uh, because I know there's a lot of our viewers and listeners who don't feel God's goodness. Mm. <laughs> they're, <Yes>. in, <laughs> they're in the darkness right now in, in great lament, grief, and sorrow. And they cannot find God. They don't feel mm. him. They don't sense him. They haven't found him for a while. I, I want to start with that because... That's a powerful statement that God's goodness breaks into our darkness, especially for people that don't feel that way. So maybe you can expand on that because that's such a powerful statement, but for many people, it doesn't feel true. I think that, you know, God's breaking into our darkness. I think it's, I I believe he is always on his way towards us and that he's always Mm. knocking on the door of our hearts. He's always pushing in. I think that one of the, the really difficult things of, for me mental illness and I think that you know attendant things like depression and loneliness is the ways that you are used to seeing God's goodness or that you understand it they seem to cut off and they seem to have fallen away and it can become hard to feel anything um but I know for me I feel like again and again in my life God has found ways and I would say this is just the work of his Holy Spirit continuous in the world Mm -hmm. to continue to surprise me and to startle me back awake and, um, you know, whether it was through a story, I, I this will make me you know, quite the nerd, but I, I love Lord of the Rings because I discovered it when I was 17 and I, I was so depressed and so devastated by the mental illness that had come to me and I didn't know what to, sense to make of God or anything else or Christians or whatever. Um, I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't connect with God and I couldn't look him in the face in many ways, but I began to read this story you know, this great epic story about goodness and evil and light and darkness and, you know, the the power we have to choose. And suddenly I found myself interacting with something that was drawing me back towards life. And I think that one of the things that's become mm-hmm. important to me in this journey is recognizing that that is God's presence reaching out to me in mm-hmm. story, that he reaches to us in song, in story, in the touch of another, in the wind and the trees, that we begin to broaden our understanding of his presence at play in our lives and mm-hmm. showing up to redeem us in so many ways. And in some some ways, I think walking with God faithfully in times of darkness is is not so much about feeling the right things or, you know, thinking the right thoughts. For me, I feel like doubt and wrestling and struggling are deeply part of our walks of faith. I mean, if you're not struggling at some point, I don't even know, you know, what is faith <laughs> yeah. without a wrestle and a struggle right. and, a, exactly. and weeping? Um, but it's learning to live in expectance of expectancy of God's arrival and Mm. looking for that in the most uncommon of ways, um, and accepting the good that comes as from his hand. So I'll just, that's so good because, you know, I, I've, 
realized within our own culture and, and a lot in the North American culture and in conversations that we, we have tried to stay away from sorrow, grief, and pain. Like mm. it's almost like one of our greatest things that we must do is to not feel pain, uh, to not grow old, to not see the cracks, to not, you know, again, like we said, to embrace sorrow. And, you mm. know, it's, I, I don't know what has happened about that, where even within, I think the churches and families, we're trying to stay away from embracing it and sitting with pain and sorrow. You know, why, why do you think that? And, and I think I, I want to kind of dig deeper on that, that there is something we are, I believe, meant to feel the pain because I think it does bring us in, in this beautiful, close relationship with God. I think um, I think there's several things. I think that some of it has to do with, um, I think there's a certain fear in sitting with pain. And I think that we sometimes have a misunderstanding of the gospel as if the gospel comes you know, the, the good news is that Jesus saves us, but then we have this kind of way that we feel like if we're saved, then we ought not to feel any pain in a broken right. world and that everything should be all right somehow. And actually, you know, I think that something that really came very, and I, you know, there's some sense in which I struggled with that. I grew up in a Christian home. My family was in ministry. You know, if I wasn't going to be safe from, you know, if God wasn't going to protect me, then who was he going to protect? And I don't mean that in a, yeah. in a privileged yeah. way at all, just in a, you know, I thought God liked me because I was a Christian and, you know, all of a sudden I had, you know, a mental illness that was decimating my inner world and I wasn't protected and I wasn't kept safe. And what does that mean? You know, how, how can I see God as good? But I think that that's what we often feel. We're, we're shocked by suffering, but it's, that's why God came. It's, he was broken mm. and came into a broken world because we're broken. You know, he saves us from this. It's not just the sins in the past. It's the it's the sin that has disordered and wrecked the world. And he doesn't save us by zapping us out of it, by right. just saying everything that you are and everything that has happened, I'm just going to zap like lightning. He comes into the middle of it and he takes, he keeps all the pieces of us. I think that's a part of, mm -hmm. of it we don't, we can't value if we don't sit with the suffering. He takes the broken pieces and he makes them into something more beautiful than we could ever have imagined. And I think that, when we don't allow ourselves to trust him in pain, to see that he is present in this, um, we miss out on his presence in our redemption, the, the depth of his love, the kind of the radical nature of his goodness as it mm -hmm. invades the deepest parts of our darkness. But yeah, I think, I think often that fear of sitting with pain is, is a fear that somehow maybe we won't find him. And then I think also just in some ways, bad theology and misunderstanding of the gospel. Yeah. That's good. You know, and that's an encouragement, I think, to anybody who's, you know, a parent or a teacher, especially within the church that I think, you know, I was never taught growing up. And again, I was mm -hmm. in a missionary family, grew up in the church, Sarah, too, like in the Philippines and Singapore, came okay. to Canada. Yeah. But there was never a, a sense of like a theology or teaching about embracing mm -hmm. the pain and then what to do with that. It was always mm -hmm. like, you're right. Like, you know, we're saved and everything's okay. Right? Like just, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, spout out a scripture and, and be, be hopeful and faithful and everything's going to be mm -hmm. okay. Kind of like power through, plow through everything. And I think what you're saying, and I think even within your book, that's really important. I think that's an important mm -hmm. part of our journey and, um, you know, our sort of, our sort of the spiritual formation and, and, and who we're becoming, uh, mm -hmm. that's, that, that gives some like roots and, and richness to our own relationship with God. So I love that. 
Now you've talked about, alluded here, you know, your mental illness, and I know that you have struggled for decades with depression and OCD, panic attacks. I want to talk about that. You know, one of, when we've been doing this show, Sarah, I'll, I'll say this, when we do a show on mental illness and mental health struggles, it's like one of our top shows. Those shows are always our top viewed and listened to by women and men. And it seems that, you know, the kind of response back is, you know, thank you for being honest because a lot of people aren't so vulnerable, especially Christians, to talk about mental illness. And then the second part is thank you for being authentic and sharing and helping give practical tools, not just like pat answers, but really sort of practical ideas and thoughts. So I want to talk about that a little bit more, I think. Uh, your experience as you've struggled mm-hmm. and, you know, how you, you know, now have sort of look at it, look at, you know, the illness and what you've experienced and and just your thoughts around that. Because I think that would be really sort of beneficial for people mm-hmm. to say, hey, I'm not alone. Sarah yeah, no. is, has gone <laughs> and is going through it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, um, so my, my OCD is, um, I'm sure there's a term for it. I think it's it's called different things, but basically it's just a, a kind of that where my mind is filled with images of disaster and mm-hmm. and violence and and often perversion and things that, you know, when I was 17 and it first came upon me, I think there had been, you know, kind of intimations of it through my childhood. But it's it's not uncommon. I think um, the more I've read for um, teenagers to kind of have a full onset as you kind of have hormones mm-hmm. and all the other stuff to complicate mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, I kind of went from one day almost to the next for me. Um, it, I think it was kind of triggered by a stressful situation between having a fairly normal mind and having one I literally could not go more than two minutes without seeing something dreadful in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that the nature of, of OCD for me, and I think for many I've talked to at mental illness in general, is it attaches itself to the things you love. So if you love something, you can be sure that will be the thing. It attaches mm-hmm. the people you love, the things you trust, your faith your dreams. And, you know, I think that for me, um, I just had no idea what was happening to me. And my parents were away when it kind of first happened. 9-11 was happening. I was watching Mm -hmm. disaster on TV and it just felt like the whole world was burning inside and out. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think I tried to, I just wasn't sure what it was. I felt so incredibly guilty. I just thought I must be so evil to be thinking these thoughts but Mm -hmm. then I'd be so confused because no amount of prayer or confession or you know begging God to take them away would stop them and so you know I I, um you know I think part of my mental illness was really also losing a physical health because I was so stressed by by all of that and by trying to keep it a secret for a while that um yeah it was just I think the whole of myself kind of unraveled at that point and I eventually told my my, my parents and then that began the very very slow journey to us trying to figure out what in the world was happening to me and you know how do you find health and I had one counselor tell me I was demon possessed and then another counselor tell me you know I just needed strong meds but she couldn't fit me in for six months you know and I think in the middle of it my parents and I were left kind of going what in the world and how mm-hmm. how do I cope with this and so you know I think from that point forward it was a slow climb but in many ways we we didn't fully understand it. It was, you know, Googling things and trying to figure out. We moved three times in the midst of it. And, you know, there are other crises and other things going on. But I think amidst that, it just really hijacked a lot of my life in the sense of um, I just, between the panic attacks, worrying about things that would happen to my family and, mm-hmm. you know, um, separation anxiety. And I just found it very hard to to emerge into adult life as I wanted to at 18. And it became a real 
you know, amidst beautiful things as well, which is part of my story. But my 20s were years of real struggle as I tried to figure out how to be independent, how to make my way in the world. And, um, you know, by God's grace, here I am with, you know, I, I finally made it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I finally made it to university at 30 years old. <laughs> You're never Good too late you. to start. Good for you. Good for you. You know, met my husband there and, you know, and now he is the one who walks me through OCD because, you know, what I found is that it's, it's greatly, mental illness is greatly in general, um, you know, it, it comes on in times of stress and hormones. So, you know, having three children and pregnancy and all mm-hmm. that just makes it all begin again. So it's yeah. ongoing for me. It's, but I think part of it for me is there's, and this is part of what drove the writing the book is this realization. There's a daily narrative that I can believe or reject. There's darkness around me. There's darkness. I can see it inside and I daily have to choose. Will I live by that narrative or will I live by this larger narrative mm-hmm. that I believe is so present um, in scripture and, and, and through the beauty that I've encountered. So I think that's my experience. But no, I think I think so many people struggle. And I think people struggle in secret, as I certainly did. And and I didn't write this book. I got I had this when I was 17. I'm 37. It's taken me 20 years to be mm-hmm. able to even give words to some of what I understood about myself and my illness and also to feel comfortable speaking about it. I have friends write me and say, I had no idea that this was wow. going on inside of you. I wish I had known. Yeah. And in many ways, I wish I could have told them. So I, you know, you aren't alone. You are seen. But I think one of the most powerful things I would say is the darkness is only shattered by light. It can only Beautiful. be pressed away in the presence yeah. of others. And we need the light of other people's eyes and affection upon us in the midst of it. So, yeah, you know, invite Powerful. people into that darkness with you yeah. because that's, that's going to be the beginning of healing. You know, Sarah, you mentioned this, and I think this was really powerful within your book where you talk about these rival stories of the world, which you just alluded to, <laughs> that do we, that, you know, it's living in, I love this, where you say the beautiful or broken, despair, hope, evil, or love, and it's trying to decide what story is true, mm-hmm. because you could live in evil, despair, and broken, or yeah. you could live in beautiful hope and love, mm-hmm. and I think that's hopeful for many people who are struggling with mental illness of, of Mm -hmm. choosing which story, uh, that you want to believe in and live out and, you know, live in, live in, um, how do you do that practically, Sarah? (laughs) I think we were like, yep, we get that. But somehow we always move to the despair and darkness narrative versus the hope, love and beautiful narrative. I think several things. I I think you make it possible by creating a life in which you are sustained by 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 things that can hold you up. So I think on a daily basis, I just really believe in the power of words. I think mm-hmm. words make worlds. And um, you know, for me, in the midst of a really bad attack of OCD, there's not a lot that's going to to catapult me out of it. But the things I've surrounded myself with, the words that I have been constantly saying so I think scripture first um you know how can we how can we see our lives as a story first if we don't know that we were told into existence by a good God Mm. but secondly scripture is our story it is the tale of who we are and what we're becoming and we need immersion in it every day if we are going to remember who we are and what we're called to and the hope that is in us and I think in that sense you know I think scripture is so full of that call to engage to read daily to walk with the words of God because this is our story. This is the good story God is telling about us. Um, so that, but for me, novels, poetry, 
um, theology, good words. I, I'm a reader, and I really believe in in the power of of surrounding ourselves with words that become this kind of scaffolding in our minds. So that when we come to these dark times, there are these echoes of truth just echoing that darkness with us, and so that we can mm-hmm. hold on to and are not alone. I think a second part is, and this is kind of where I think the more practical daily nitty gritty of beauty is, is, you know, I think, again, you know, I can't really snap myself out of an OCD episode, but I can make a cup of tea and I can eat a piece of chocolate, Mm. as trivial as that sounds. And I think what I quickly realized was I could not wrestle with my mental illness and win. And I kept thinking if I could engage it, if I could beat it, that somehow I would be able to emerge from it. And why wasn't God allowing this? And why would he not help me with this? But I think one of the parts of sitting with grief is accepting that this is a brokenness I bear in a broken world. Mm -hmm. Christ bears it with me. He is walking me towards a place where I will be healed. But because this is something I bear, I need to, you know, something I also don't always engage with. You know, I've, I've been learning sometimes the best thing for me to do yeah i was i was i've recently given birth to our third child and yeah and congratulations of, oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> her name is Great. lucy it means light lucy um, light light in a dark season yeah oh beautiful yeah. beautiful um but i had a lot of depression in the early um months of her pregnancy and i found that i often could not manage a quiet time i just couldn't i just I didn't have that discipline or engagement but oh my goodness I could sit in my bed and, you know, with a cup of tea in the cold, oh my goodness, winters are so dark here in England. And, oh. um, and I could watch my Call the Midwife episodes. It's a show I just love over here because they're stories of hope and loveliness yeah. and community. I mean, to talk about people being found and seen and heard, that is, that is mm-hmm. very much the storyline of Call the Midwife. So I would sit in my bed, watch Call the Midwife, you know, in the midst of bad OCD and be like, Lord, I can't pray, but this is so beautiful and I love you and I know you're real somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that learning to just engage with the small beauties around us and knowing that God is not um, threatened by my lack of, you know, to the capacity to have a quiet time, you know, we'll get back to it when I can, mm-hmm. but he's there, he's faithful, he is laughing, I think, and meeting us in those small moments that become the moments where we survive. Mm -hmm. And it is the smallest things that make the difference between the day and the night and life and death. I love just sort of the whole premise. I mean, not just of your book, but of your life about, you know, beauty, that beauty saves us. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a good even reminder for me, Sarah, because sometimes I can go kind of into the negative and not the beautiful, like all the what's wrong with the world and our politics and the polarizing, you know, sentiments of people and on social media. And it's just a good reminder that, you know, to sort of step back and be like, as we look around to, you know, look for the beauty. And, and I think also I'm just working on, for me personally, working on gratitude and, and, and being Mm -hmm. grateful even in the midst of things that are really tough. And so, it's just, it's just, it's really a good reminder. Like, I think your book is really perfect and timing right now to, for people to just sort of step back and go, okay, you know, looking for the beauty in, in, in all things. Um, I want to ask you this it was very interesting within your book and it's, it's almost like a little controversial and I love it. Um, especially within the Christian world and church, but I want to, I, I want to kind of land on this a little bit about the struggle you had, and, and I've heard this too within the church, I've, I've seen it, it's said on my social media, when something happens or we're experiencing something awful, you know, this church sentiment of 
in, it's in God's will. God's will mm-hmm. is is this, this, and this. And you know what, Sarah? I'll be honest with you. As a new girlfriend, it drives me crazy. It it drives Same. me crazy. <laughs> and, you know, I've been in the church yeah. for a long time, and I've heard this. Yeah. And, you know, in the past couple of years, I'm just like, enough, because this whole, you know, this is bad that's happened. This major crisis, major personal crisis, a world crisis. And people have literally said, well, it's God's will that that's happened. It's it's God's will, so Melinda, carry on. It's God's will, so just take it and yeah. receive it. And, you know, I remember as a young girl, Sarah, even deep down, I knew enough to say that's not God's will because that's actually yeah. evil or that's pain or that's hurt. That's actually hurting people, which is not, I believe, even as like an eight-year-old, that that's not the heart of God. So yeah. this is really cool. I've never had to talk about this <laughs> with anybody, um, you know, on the show, but I'd love to kind of just chat about that because I think that it can be damaging, but I want to know your thoughts because it was, mm. it, it was, it, you've mentioned in the book. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can go there. <laughs> I can Absolutely. ask her and talk to her about it, but it, you know, I, especially with mental illness that has, I, I've heard that when I went through a very dark eight months of the dark night of my soul and a very dark depression mm. in my early thirties. Yeah. Um, anyway, I want to stop talking. I want to hear your, your thoughts and I'd love to sort of like chat through that. Okay. The God's Um, will issue. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just think it is said so casually and I think it is said so destructively. And Mm -hmm. I think we say it and I mean, and there's, I mean, let's say up front, there are a lot of specific theological positions there. And I, I kind of don't like to peg myself with any specific position. I will, I will say starting, I think there's tension. I think God is sovereign and I think we have agency. I think yes. God is good and I think we live in an evil world and there's a tension between knowing that he rules the end of the story, but evil has disordered the world in the meantime. But what I do think we can say, and I would say very strongly is God is not tempted by evil. And I think that when we say God caused that and all things are God's will, it's it's almost like a, for me, and I, mm-hmm. um, it's a coughing out of what is meant to be a wrestle because, um, you know, to say this is God's will is not to say, is not to question, how can you say that about children who suffer? How can we say that about, you know, the disasters we see on a daily basis in the newsfeed about the abusive child we see next door about, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, the loss of a child. Um, and pastorally, I think it's often so destructive because how can you trust the God who may, decimate you at any moment how what does it look like to trust him um and so i think that for me a huge wrestle with theology and with the christian faith was how do i believe in in the goodness of god his sovereignty and his goodwill and also hold intention that bad things happen Mm -hmm. and so i mean i i really believe you know it comes down to to agency i think that god who is free made people in his image and, you know, there's there. And again, there's mystery, you know, there is, I, I don't want to define things that are mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have the capacity to say no or yes to God. And that, you know, a great amount of the evil in the world comes from a rejection of God and his goodness and who he is. And, um, but I think that, you know, our capacity to reject him and the capacity of, you know, angels and humans to say no to God and to disorder his world, um, is, is, is only, we only have contingent freedom. You know, we're only free because God is ultimately free. Mm -hmm. And so he will be the one whose story prevails. Um, 
I, there's a beautiful, um, and Tolkien again, Tolkien wrote this beautiful prelude to his story where he basically pictures the creating of the world. And he talks about how there was this great, it's basically his God figure who sang a great song and he gave parts of the song to each of the angels to sing as well. But one of the angels decided he wanted to sing his own song and he disordered the music. So, you know, the God figure wove that song into his own music and made it beautiful. And then he disordered it again. And it's mm -hmm. about how the song of God will prevail and he will make all things come to harmony. But it's within that, that mystery of having agency ourselves. So I, I just, I really believe that God is not tempted by evil. His will towards me is good. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we most lose in, in our suffering is our capacity to believe that God is tender and kind. And I think we only exacerbate that and in a sense agree with evil when we say, well, that's, you know, God caused that. And so God just wants you to figure out and grow up. God is present. God is the, the one who came to us in Jesus, who took on our injured flesh and, you know, bore our sufferings and our sorrows. God is not standing apart from us, cold and calculating and, oh, zap here, you needed that to be holy. Right. He is the God who comes into the midst and bears what we bear and knows our deepest need and works from the very inside of our fallenness. Um, and yes, I think our sinfulness is caught up with our suffering. It's kind of inextricable and that's where a lot of the grief lies too. But God is forgiving. He is healing. He is working within us and that is who he is. So mm -hmm. I think that to say, you know, kind of casually, well, that's God's will is not to wrestle with the reality of a God who comes into the darkness and who bears it and who has huge patience with sinful and suffering people and takes every broken piece of them and makes it whole. So there's a beginning. <laughs> That's great. That was one of the the best explanations. And I think, I think that's going to help Sarah, you know, our viewers and listeners, because I think there has been such damage with people saying, you know, saying that, and I love that, you know, we do have agency. I mean, when we see evil happening in the world, I think it, it, it should be a reflection on our society, you know, our communities, our nation. It's like, well, why are we not caring for the most vulnerable? You know, if we're, if we're saying, you know, this is horrible and we've seen these abuses and people mm -hmm. being human trafficked and all these things, well, actually that's on us because we didn't protect, mm -hmm. we didn't have safe homes, we didn't care for men and, and women that were going down this, this road. Mm -hmm of abuse and destruction. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so yeah, many parts absolutely. where it's like, where did we teach or families or, you know, the person who was abusing had been abused for generations mm -hmm. and we see generational, yeah. uh, you know, sort of sins of that. Like there's just so many things. And so that's on us. There's, there's a, there's yeah. a lot where, and maybe that's because we don't want to take responsibility. We don't want it to come on us <laughs> that we didn't do, I, or we were, apathetic or we turned a blind eye to great needs of our neighbors and of, you know, um, of the world, you know, and I think, mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Uh, I really think that's, that's a big, um, sort of pause for us to mm -hmm. say, you know, loving our neighbor means what? Loving yes. God, loving ourselves. I mean, what does that mean? And yeah. I think that's hard. I think that Sarah becomes a self-reflection on yikes. Like here I say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm, mm. I don't love. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know it. It's not that I don't know what's happening, mm. but why am I not doing something? So mm. 
that was fantastic. So good. You were so, so good. So proud of you, man. I think, you know, it, even in the struggle and it's just really encouraging, Sarah, that even through the struggles of your own mental illness that you can write a book and, and be really honest through it. I, I want to finish off with just this part about beauty mm-hmm. again, because I think this beautiful truth that in, maybe this is more of an encouragement we can end with Sarah to somebody who is struggling, who, mm-hmm. you know, mental illness, but just life sort of post pandemic, um, just lots of stuff and apprehension that a lot of us are dealing with right now. What, what would you say to encourage those that are, that are struggling today? I think that the, the main idea I wanted to come through in the book and that I think is really kind of the reason to write it. Um, and that came really clear to me as I wrote it is I want my reader to know that God is there with them in their pain and he knows and he sees and he is at work to redeem. Because I think that one of the things that deep suffering does to us, and especially in a world where we are increasingly distracted and polarized online and everything feels abstract, and we, you know, we're removed from the touch of people we love, there's a real sense in which it can feel like in our suffering, God stands apart. And even if he's kind, it's kind in a vague way or a general way. But God is here. He is in the midst of where we are. He is intimately acquainted with all of our ways he understands the ways we've suffered and no one else can and thus he's also healing us in ways that nobody else can even begin to touch and i think that that's just the first thing is it feels like such a big idea but it is the idea that makes life possible we are seen and known and companioned by the living god on a daily basis on a minute by minute basis and nothing we do you know i know for me i often arrive at quiet times feeling like oh gosh, what do I need to do to confess? What 10 things should I do before you'll, <laughs> you'll speak to me again? But there is no, there is no 10 things. Beauty, God comes to us to heal and to bless and to enrich. But the other thing I would say as well, and I, this has been real crucial for me is, you know, we are healed by God. He arrives in our darkness. He is, he is always the first agent. He is always the initiator. There's nothing we need to do to get him to heal us. He is on his way. He is crashing through all the barriers. But in being healed, we're not left passive. We're made agents with him. He invites mm-hmm. us to share in the story he's creating in the world for our lives to be outposts for beauty for others, our, our lives to be the shelter in which others taste his goodness. And I think that was so empowering for me because I wasn't left in a place where I was just a victim of my mental illness and then God healed me and you know left me to be passively good. He said, come, fight, love, create, be part of the beauty I'm making in the world. And that is, I think, part of the greatness of the story we find in scripture is we are made agents of, mm. of the beautifying and creation of the world. We are made agents of the beautiful one. And I think I've just found that vastly encouraging and helpful in my own life. So, Sarah Clarkson, I'm so glad you wrote this book. I'm so glad that you shared your life with us. I think sometimes when you're like, maybe when you look at this, you're just like, oh, my goodness, it's out there now. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> my very life is so. here in the pages. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> But thank you for your courage and your transparency in this. I think the more that we share in some of our darkest 
secrets and and bring it to light you know I, I found that too when I you know Sarah just encourage you like shared more of my life publicly and a lot of the mm -hmm. challenges that I've had I was so scared <laughs> and no one had known about these things in my life that it happened to me and I was like, God, I can't do this. And it was, God was very clear. Like, this is our story. Hmm. I so, love that. so love that. if you're not on your own, you're not alone. Yeah. It's our story. So I will be with you. I will speak for you. My, my, hmm. my spirit will empower you. And there were times where I, I mean, but I started telling my story, Sarah, just encourage you. I was terrified. There, there's still like every time, even 25 years later. And I mean, and my story continues it. I still get nervous about like, I'm sharing this out so there can be judgment or, yeah. you know, people, you know, throwing shame on me and all kinds of things. Right. Or, you know, and yet when I, when I believe and hold on to it's our story, hmm. what I have seen God do with my story has been nothing I've ever expected. Just women and men and young people just saying, I thought I was alone. I didn't know. I didn't know how to do this. Thank you. So I want to encourage you because I think that's what your book is too. I, I was, you know, it's, Thank you. it's open, it's honest, it's scary, but it's so much. I just see the fingerprints of God in it mm. and on your life. And so I want to encourage you as you're, as there's a struggle now and you with your third child, you know, God is with you. It's, it's your, it's, it's collectively his story and your story together. And mm. I'm, I feel, I don't know you, but I feel very proud of, oh, of what you accomplished. So I just want to say thank that. Thank you. you so much. This beautiful truth, how God's goodness breaks into our darkness by Sarah Clarkson. Everybody needs to get it. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much. This has been such a delight. Thank you. Oh, this is beautiful. I, Thank you. And thank you for being early across the ocean to, to chat with me. But I, I believe everyone should get uh, this book and, and I hope that you write more. I, I mean, I've been on your, your, on your Instagram and on your website, your blogs, and, and I'm, encouraged to, I'm encouraged by you and will continue to, to read and support and cheer you on. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You're wonderful. This has been such an encouragement to me. <laughs> Good. Thanks again. I am so grateful that the Canadian Bible Society CBS is one of our partners. We love reading and learning from scripture in each of our episodes, and CBS is an important part of our faith journey here at See Here Love. So if you're looking for resources that will encourage, support, and inspire you and your family as you follow Jesus every day, then CBS has many resources that can help you. Go to biblesociety.ca slash resources for, listen to this, Bible verses sent straight to your inbox every day, access to the comic book series called Fear Not, helping your kids through fear, anxiety, and loneliness. And if you've been wanting to read the Bible in a year, 365 days, they've got a plan for you. Also, they have daily manna, promises of hope and peace for those who are weary and tired. Amazing resources for your life today. So go to biblesociety.ca slash resources right now to get these life-changing resources. Wow. So here are my quick reflections on my conversation with Sarah Clarkson. Hmm. I'm just, honestly, like I said in the conversation, just so proud that she would share her life and be transparent about her mental illness. And I hope that's an encouragement for many of you who are struggling, that you need to share your story, that, you know, God is not afraid of, of the pain or the struggle, but 
it's so important to get into a community and of safe people to share your struggles with. I think also it was a good reminder for me about finding beauty uh, every day. It, it's like, you know, having sort of a gratitude journal or being grateful every day, but finding the beauty in the world today when there's so much challenge and uh, so much pain, um, it, it's a, just a good encouragement reminder for us to, to take moments in the day to find beauty, uh, to see the goodness in the world. And I think, too, just that sense of the rival stories that we believe which one we want to live into, uh, the beautiful or the broken, uh, you know, the evil um, or the love or the despair or hope. And I want to be a woman who lives into the story of love and the beauty and love that God has given me and gives me each day. So. If you want to get Sarah's book, please do. It's at sarahclarkson.com. Best way to do it is on her website. Uh, pick up her book, This Beautiful Truth, How God's Goodness Breaks Into Our Darkness. A beautiful read. Grab a cup of tea because she's English. Head into your garden. <laughs> and I really encourage you to read this book. But as you struggle and as you choose to find beauty, uh, know this that God is with you and that he sees you, he hears you, and he deeply loves you today. Thanks for joining us. And I look forward for you joining us on our next See, Hear, Love episode. It's our first ever See, Hear, Love conference coming on Saturday, March 26, 2022. And the theme is making space, making space for life-giving friendships, leading yourself and others well, for loving your neighbors and for Sabbath and rest. We hope you join me, and our See Here Love co-hosts and special guests, along with our amazing keynote speakers, Annie F. Downs, Joe Saxton, Holly Forche, and Shayla Visser for an afternoon of fun, laughter, celebration, friendship, prayer, and tons of learning and activities. We'd love for you to join us March 26, 2022. And for more information, go to seeherelove.com slash conference. See Here Love thanks our partners who make this show possible. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded, nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.